Welcome to the Two Mutts Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall. <laughs> Rick White, here's Radulov with a kiss. Scores! One timer, scores! Perry scores! Corey Perry! Here's Drysdale again, turns, shoots, scores! Austin Matthews in shoots, Austin Matthews! Schultz ahead, Crosby onside, behind the fence towards the net, he scores! Back across, fired, score! Crosby again! Tames with a shot, he scores! Tames shoves it front, they score! Jonathan Tames ties it! Look at that! Are you watching this? What a brilliant piece of work from Connor McDavid! Wow. Welcome back to the Two Months Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall. I'm with Trevor Ruptash, Rupper. How's it going? Good, buddy. You? Yep, good. Can't complain. And we're with Clay Vanderham. Vandy, how's it going? Vandy is 16 dandy right now. Nice, buddy. nice. So you want to explain to the, the listeners and the followers to the Two Months Podcast who we have on the podcast. And also you want to hand out a nice thank you to a couple of people. Yeah, first off, I want to thank John Cleall and Rob Ajla, co-workers, um, who lined this interview up with my favorite Edmonton Oiler of all time, ahead of Curry, Messi, Gretzky, all the all-time greats. He wore number 16. He captained the Edmonton Oilers. Legend. And in my eyes, his jersey should be up in the rafters. Kelly Buckberger. Yeah, awesome. Becky, great guest uh, tonight. Obviously hit on uh, a lot of great topics. He's the head coach of the Tri-City Americans. We want to give that out too. So he's going oh, yeah. into his third year. So perfect. Uh, it's perfect guest. Great guest. Uh, you know, things have been going pretty good for us lately, and we appreciate the people that help out and, and continued success to the people that come on, but also the people that help us out getting these great interviews and adding to a great guest list. Uh, Rupper, do you have a, a favorite story about Bucky? Oh, do I ever have a favorite story about Bucky? Well, I got a few favorite stories about Bucky. Exactly. I I, I, I bumped into Bucky a few times at Barry T's, uh, you know, back in the in the 90s. Those were fun times. Um, he was always home for curfew, though, I can tell you that. Um, but, yeah, so – uh what was i think 97 um who the oilers are playing dallas if i can remember that far back and it's like the third period and they're down three nothing it's a playoff game and they're down three nothing and i'm at i'm at a buddy's house that's literally so i'm living in jackson heights and and so i'm on one street and this this guy met he's living on another street maybe you know a pitching wedge away. So we're all watching the game. And, and like I said, it's three, nothing. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm going home. It's late in the third. I, I go home, walk down into the basement, flick on the TV, boiler score, rip back over, <laughs> like not rip. Like I'm in a dead sprint back over to the, the, the my buddy's house. Now boiler score three, two boiler score to tie it up three, three. And I think they potted like, at the time it was like the second, you know, largest comeback under a certain amount of time in, in playoff history. Don't quote me on that, but I'm not Bob Stoffer. I, I don't, I don't have all the stats, but um, so we're, we're, we're getting ready for OT and, you know, 
got a fresh beer cracked and, and my buddy's, my buddy's girlfriend at the time, I think like maybe two months prior or three months prior, she just got a, 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 a boob job, like fake boobs. So we're all sitting around and, and they're fantastic by the way, but we're, we're all sitting around and Bucky ends up scoring the OT winner. And literally there, she's the only girl there. And there's like three or four dudes. We come 322 miles an hour in for a group hug. And I literally chest bumped her. I couldn't even tell you how hard it was. And she went down to the ground. She was laughing. Like, don't worry. I didn't hurt her or nothing, but she came up and goes, I think you popped my boob. I think you popped my boob. So I'll never forget that. And, and guys, well, I, I fell to the ground laughing and, and just the fact that they came back to do that was awesome. But the whole boob thing, oh my God. Like, I'll never forget that story as long as I live. That's hilarious, man. That's awesome. So, Can't top that one. Yeah, that's going to be pretty hard to top. Me, me for me, as, you know, growing up, I, um, you know, I was a hockey fan. I just was like, it was just awesome to watch hockey. And I didn't really have a, a, around, you know, the early 90s, kind of getting into the mid mid 90s i didn't really have a team that i followed in a way but obviously you live in edmonton you get glued to or there's playoff hockey and just you know the songs and the, the how hockey night in canada cbc just product did a great job on the production side of things and i just remember the the, the you know the playoff run where you know Marchant scored right and that was just kind of that game and just I, I, bucky was the i'm pretty sure he was the captain at that time and just you know, had just the just the great leader he is for me. It's just uh, you know how much you know he meant to the city. You know, everyone just that's that's your that's your heart and soul kind of guy, and that's kind of what our city was, right? It was you know you had a lot of the years with Gretzky and whatnot, and and Messi as the captains, but you had this other guy that played a different style of of a game, and he was the captain. And I think more fans, in a way, you know kind of connected to that in my opinion I, at least for me at my age I did that was just pretty special so that, what a great point I mean you go from from you know Gretzky being the captain of the the teams that we kind of started fell in love with hockey and and that was you know he's the best player in the world he's obviously a captain Messier captain for you know different reasons he, you know we find out during the interview that he wasn't this intimidating person but more he just did on ice worked his tail off and then and then Bucky becomes captain and and you get a different a different player than than Messier and and Gretzky but but a leader in his own right and he kind of you know obviously grew into his his the, the the C in a different player a different type you know he wouldn't he would show up and that's the one thing I love watching him is he would show up. It didn't matter if he got black and blued or he was showing up for the team. And that's what I loved about it. And that, I mean, I like to think that <laughs> not that I'm anywhere near, but you know, growing up, that's how I carried myself in a hockey team. I do anything to, you know, and that's, that's why I fell kind of in favor with, with, yeah no it it, for me then that's kind of how it was like it just you were a blue collar city he was a blue collar player and i thought maybe his connection to there's more people probably on your side clay that resonate as his that's their favorite oiler 
you know, I, and obviously as I got to know the game a bit more and, um, I had a, a big brother from big brothers, big sisters, and he used to be a scout for the Leafs and, and I ended up becoming a Leaf fan because of him. And yeah. I didn't, for me, when I grew up as a Leaf fan, I grew up like Alan McCauley and, and uh, Mike Johnson. <laughs> those guys were my favorite players. Like it was yep. those guys who I was like, Man, I love these like grinder guys. And I've, I and remember. It was, but, but the 90s, they were kind of like that, no? It was. It was. Or, no, yeah, like the 90s was. It was oh, like they're, that. All, they're all grinders, right? And, you know, you obviously had your Garens and your Waits and your Anson Carters and. And you know, but like, man, how how popular was like Mike uh, was uh, Mike Greer, Mike Greer Todd Machamp, yeah, those guys, you those know, guys. Greg DeVries, and just tons of great guys that on that back end too. So, um, so what's your favorite, uh, you know, Bucky story or memory that you have? Play obviously this guy. I, I don't. I, I wouldn't say I have a memory. I think I just have you know him showing up and and willing to battle anybody in this league. You know, Bucky was probably a very, very tough, light, heavyweight, middleweight. We want to go into the boxing ranks, but he wouldn't be afraid to chuck him with a heavyweight if it, you know, meant getting the team going. And then he wore his heart on his sleeve, as did the other greats, obviously, don't get me wrong. But, but no, he just, he, he personified what Edmonton as a city is about, what Alberta is about now. Um, it still is right when he was and still is obviously yeah yep still like back in the day and and now like it's uh that's just how we are as this as a city right favorite moment i i you know calling bucky a hero and and that is is yeah you could probably i i did have some sort of idolization and he was my favorite player getting a chance to meet your favorite players or your your idols per se um I, I, we were coaching the Mustangs and we were doing a, a, like a silent auction type at, at one of the local Northside pubs. I can't remember the name right now, but anyway, uh, again, through connections, somebody had invited beer hunter. It was the beer hunter. Beer hunter. There you go. <laughs> I don't forget a good pub. <laughs> it was a good time. And, uh, I got, yeah, I got to meet him there. Uh, he, he graciously came by and, you know, just, kind of to help fill the place I, I think and and yeah it was uh, it was pretty neat got to meet him shake his hand so it, it, was, it was it was fun yeah you talked his ear off too for god's sakes jeez i did i've been known to do that yeah 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 i get kind Notice of how shy I used of... ear because he's <laughs> got a full I'd... one he's got a full one not a half one. Oh god yeah i know <laughs> well yeah, I just uh, great. I thought it was a great interview. I'm pretty sure everyone's gonna have a great time listening to it. He touches. We've on been it. on a roll, like the too much dressing room, yeah. the beauty run. Yeah, I mean, we go, we start at at, at Fids. We got McNeil. I mean, all the Edmonton beauties are coming in. We got Shamara Dinger. Yeah, awesome. When do we get a vacation, boss? Well, holy Christ, I'm working like seven days a week here for Christ's sakes. <laughs> hashtag. Where are we gonna get next week? And then we're getting World Juniors fired up. Yeah, hashtag. Oh. Get, off. So, well, we're good. We got some week, good so. stuff for World yeah. Junior Week. Yeah, boy. World Junior Week is gonna be good. So, uh, waiting for some more uh, people to reach back, but uh, requests uh, have been sent out and lots. Even if we don't get any guests, we just oh, we well, got us. We'll, we'll get some. Don't worry. Let's just get bombed. Thanks, Three of us, boom, and just record a podcast just getting bombed for one hour. Exactly. Didn't we do that? Wasn't that our first one? <laughs> <laughs> we did that once, yeah. Exactly. Let's that do one, it again. That one, that one got heavy editing. 
<laughs> All right. Well, you guys want to throw it to the Bucky interview? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, perfect. Head right to the Kelly Buckberger interview right now. If it's done right the first time, you don't have to redo it. If you get Pete's concrete to pour your driveway, you don't need a repeat. When your patio is a PDO, you don't need a repeat. When Pete's Concrete fixes your sidewalk, all it takes is once. You don't need a repeat. And if your basement leaks, a Pete's Repair helps avoid a repeat. Get it done right the first time, with the colors and textures you want, so you don't have to redo it. For concrete, you can choose Pete's or repeats. Pete's Concrete. Mutz fans, our next guest was drafted by your beloved oil in 1985, won two Stanley Cups. He's been a two-time NHL captain. He's represented Canada numerous times on the world stage, including a gold medal win at the 94 World Championships. He's played over 1,000 games. Better yet, he's at over 2,200 penalty minutes. He was one of my favorite players growing up. Mutz fans, please welcome Oiler legend and the pride of Langenberg, Saskatchewan, Kelly Buckberger. Got it. Bucky, welcome. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the tough questions. (laughs) I'll take it easy on you for sure. So (laughs) it's awesome to have you on. How are things? Things are okay. Um, I'd be back in Tri-Cities right now, but uh, unfortunately, because of everything else that's going on in the world, um, um, we're at home here and um, spending some time at the lake. And uh, the biggest thing about all this, I think, is, you know, besides what's going on in the world is, is our kids that uh, we coach and uh, they have nowhere to play right now. And, uh, and that's probably the worst I feel about uh, what's going on right now with our league and our, our team. Yeah. Uh, what are the things you guys are doing with them right now? I probably it's a lot, a lot of virtual stuff, but with your kids in Tri-City, what are, what are little things you guys can help out with so far? Well, we've had a few Zoom calls and, um, and then I've been in touch with the players uh, probably weekly, just reaching out to all of them, see how they're making out. Uh, some weren't playing in the Alberta Junior League. Uh, some were playing in the BC League, but uh, you know, they're bored. They, they want to get back. Um, the schedule is probably going to be um, limited this year, as we all know, but uh um, just, I just talked to a couple of them just before I, I got on here and, um, you know, they're itching to get back, but, uh, like Alberta, Washington, is sh- state of Washington is shut down. So, um, I, that, where that leaves us, I don't know. Yeah. I, have you guys got a set date? I think it was early February. If things all go good for the start of the season. I, I think that's what they're looking at. Not for sure. It hasn't been written in stone yet. Um, but, uh, we, one way or another, uh, we'd like to get it going as quick as possible. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we'll jump into some of the questions we have for you, and we'll get to your uh, your career and 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 everything. And we'll just we'll start with what was it like to play in the WHL in the '80s? We haven't really had anyone on that's played in that era. Um, so, what was it like? Not trying to date you or make you older. Jesus, any, but you know what I mean. Obviously, I, what, what was it like back then? I go. It, it, it was tough. There, there was no question. Um, I, I started in Moose Jaw, and it was uh, we got the team from Winnipeg, and uh, 
we we only kept one player from the year before, so we were all young kids. Uh, there was myself, Theron Fleury, and Mike Keen and Lyle Oline on the team at that uh, the first year. So uh, you know the team had actually a lot of successful players moving up and developing, but uh, I tell you what, it was pretty tough. There was um, more bench clearing brawls, which you'll never see again. Then uh, what would we play? Sixty some, sixty games, seventy games, and I, I think we probably had twenty or twenty five. And uh, it, it was tough. There's no question and uh, how tough that league was. And it still is a tough league. There's no question, but uh, the game has changed a lot. Yeah, for sure. So Bob Stoffer was telling me that he wanted me to ask you, I guess there's an incident there between you guys and PA where there were some goals being stolen with, and then you and Keenan where um, you guys got goals stolen from you and you guys were trying to steal some back. No, what if I can remember it right? Uh, they had a really tough team. They had Bob Gardner, Manson, and he, down the list of guys. And uh, we were young, like we were all 16. And I think Theron, Theron Fleury was 14 at the time. Um, we went into PA and uh, they took our net for warm up. Oh, okay. So that's we had we had pucks, but we didn't have a net. <laughs> And, uh, and then uh, Ken Baumgartner thought he'd sit on our bench and drink our water while uh, we were having a warm up. Yeah, and that's what Shamara, remember Shamara was talking about that, how they, yeah. and even Dinger, when Dingman was on, they were talking about how they had the full ice warm up because yeah. guys would go and steal them. <laughs> but no, that, that was after us. After yeah. we were done, um, that's when they came into separate warm ups yeah. for the, the teams. But it was a different era, there's no question. <laughs> I, I played in the Saskatchewan Junior League uh, the year before. And I, that was way tougher, probably. Yeah. Who was your, would you say your biggest rival, obviously, for team-wise and then player-wise through your two years in Moose Jaw? Well, it, it would be uh, Regina. There's no question that uh, because it was only 45 minutes apart. And then um, and it felt like we played them every second night, but we probably played them 10 times throughout the season or eight times, something like that. But uh, it was always bench-clearing brawls. I remember Stu Grimson played for them and uh, – they got, they got him out of the game when the bench clearing brawl, but he went around the doors, come out the other doors and was back on the ice for continue the brawl. So I think by that time, the cops were on the, on the ice with everything else. <laughs> and uh, speak to some of your mentors that you had, you know, growing up and then you had, you had in, in Moose Jaw. Um, one, one guy, when I, uh, when I was a kid, I, I looked up to uh, Bobby Clark when, um, and I, I didn't know him personally then. Uh, I do now. But uh, when um, when I was eight years old, I was burnt in a, in a bushfire. I got caught. Uh, we were playing with fire, and I got caught in the bush. And uh, I burnt uh, my legs and my arms and my neck. So I ended up spending about four and a half uh, months in the hospital in Regina. And uh, he wrote me a letter and, and a picture, and um, I still have it today somewhere. And uh, just, you know, and then I always liked the way he played. And that's why I wore number 16 when I, when I could. That's awesome. Yeah, he's a, a great legend for sure. So uh, speak of your pro career, obviously getting drafted and how special that day was, you know, and, and making it and having such a great long NHL career. Um, you know, the biggest thing I, I think, um, you know, when, when you make the NHL, it's a matter of staying there. Um, and it's hard to it's hard to make it. There's no question about it. But when I went, I came in at a difficult time with the Oilers. Um, it was uh, 
you know, they, they didn't have any turnaround in, in their team at all because they were winning Stanley Cup. So for me to come in, it was pretty hard to get in. And once, once you get in, you got to keep proving yourself every day that uh, you belong. And, and I had great leaders, like you had Wayne and Mark and Mac T and Kevin. I could go down the list of guys, Charlie, Huddy. Um, they, they treated you like family and, and made you very welcome every time you stepped into that rink. No, oh, for and just great people too. I'll speak on Charlie Hetty a bit here. Um, I I think at times you know we he might not get the credit that's due in, in maybe our era, but speak of what kind of teammate he was and leader he was, and also the player he was for you guys during your or your career with the Oilers. Well, you look at Charlie's career, and even after he was done playing, he's sixty-one years old, and he's still coaching and in the NHL. And he's never, I don't think he's ever missed a year um, once he turned pro from working. So it says a lot about a a person, about their their attitude and their credibility. And with Charlie, he was a great teammate. It was all about the team first. There's no question about that. Um, And you know what? He he made his other, he made his teammates and everybody play better and harder. And uh, he was the hardest working guy in, in, on practice, but uh, just overall a genuine great guy. What do you, what do you think makes him a great coach, uh, Bucky? You know what? I think that the players really feed off him, even though um, he's 61 years old, he, he's a young 61 and the players, the D men, they gravitate to him and they listen to him. And, and he's been in all situations. Like he was in Edmonton. I don't know how many years. And then I think Dallas and, I know the Jets now, but I, I can't remember the other. I think he was with another team in, in between there. But he's done an unreal job of teaching those young kids in Winnipeg now. And, you know, some have moved on, but he's done a great job of developing those kids. Yeah, yeah, for sure he has. And just the great back end that they've had for many years in Winnipeg. Uh, speak of another teammate you had, and he got the call this, this uh, recently to make to go to the Hockey Hall of Fame and Kevin Lowe. Uh, you know, what? What was why was Kevin Lowe such a great teammate, great player, and and how great is it to, as as a former teammate to see him be going going into the Hockey Hall of Fame? Well, it, it's probably long overdue that he should have been in. Um, he won six Stanley Cups, and it, it's all about his heart and the way he treats people. And if you ever get the chance to meet him, he he's going to make you feel like you, you've known him in your whole life the first time you ever been with him. And I was fortunate. I, I lived with him my first year. So we became really tight and, and got to know each other. And, uh, and you know, for me back then, it was just uh, to listen, don't talk, just listen to these guys. I don't think I said a word in five years in the dressing room because we had all the, all the guys. And what, what am I going to say to change anything? And uh, just being around Kevin and the way he treats people away from the game um, is unreal. And, and how, uh, he played like he practiced like he played he battled um you know he, he was a chippy player and um you know he ended up getting some pretty good stats overall but i think the biggest thing for him was that he was the ultimate teammate and uh he won six Stanley cups because of it yeah and just went on to obviously a great career and i agree long overdue um speak of like what it meant to be an oiler in this market as all four of us on this podcast, you know, are, are in this city, but what did it mean to be an Oiler for as long as you did? And obviously going on to be with the Oilers as a coach too. Well, it, it was honor for me, like uh, a late draft pick ninth rounder and uh, chances of making it pretty, pretty slim. But uh, it, once you got in here and 
you keep have to keep them uh, proving yourself every day that you belong here. And, and that's how I felt in my 13 years here that every day I stepped on the ice, it didn't matter if it was practice or a game that I had to prove that I belong um, in the organization and, and in the league. And I, th I thought that I was taught that early by Kevin and, and Mac and, and, you know, Wayne and Mark and all those guys, because, you know, they, they're obviously way more skilled and, and polished than I was, but the way they worked and, and, you had to work just as hard or, or harder than them to, to stay in the league. But being part of Edmonton, uh, the Oilers, for me, it, it was an honor. And even coming back to coach after, um, Mike T was a really good friend of mine and brought me onto the staff. And uh, you, you learn that uh, you're not as good as coaches you thought you were going to be as a player. <laughs> as a player, you think you know everything. But when you start breaking film down and teaching, it's a little different as a player. You, you know your job and that's kind of what you just focus on as a coach you got to know everybody else's job and and then you got to explain it to them and uh so you, you really get uh, uh a schooling in your first year of being a coach and uh being in this city in edmonton we i live here now like you said we love it here um my wife works in the city uh my son is uh living here and my daughter lives in calgary so th this is home for us you know, and it, and it is for us too. It's just a, obviously a great city to be a part of, you know, such a rich history. And obviously they're going to be doing some, some pretty great things with Connor and Leon in, in the helm, but talk about where the game changed from your rookie year in the NHL to when you put, when you last played. Well, my rookie year, I, I started in, in Halifax and played for the Oilers farm team. And, um, I got called up as a black ace, and, uh, and then not, not, not a chance to play at all, but I, I thank Wayne Van Dorp many days because uh, he, he uh, slept in and missed practice. And, uh, oh. and uh, after the Detroit series, and then uh, uh, the couple days before, the night before, uh, Glenn had asked me if I was ready to play. And I'm like, what? Because I, mean, I, was, I wasn't even dressing with the main team. I was just dressing with the Black Aces and, you're not really around the guys at all and got the call to play it. But I, I think from the rookie year that I played, it, it was just like I played junior hockey. It, it was tough in the minors. There's no question about it. I, I played, what did I play? Uh, I had something like 58 fights in, in, the, in just that first season. Wow. And, and uh, I wasn't even the tough guy on our team. We, we had Wayne Van Dorp. We had, uh, uh, Al Tour, I don't know if you guys remember Al Tour, um, but we had a really tough team, and uh, and it seemed like everybody was fighting every game. But uh, and then as the game changed on, I thought that I had to polish up my skills and get better and better, and, and it, it was just work ethic every day away from the game in practice and in the summertime to polish up my skills so I I could stay in the league and and end up developing into a better hockey player. Nice. And speak of like, if you can, you know, take us into what those days were in that Oiler locker room, you know, to the fans that are listening to the podcast, uh, you know, speak, obviously you spoke highly of a, a lot of the guys, but is there any great stories, any great, uh, you know, memories that you had from, you know, your time in the, in that locker room, sharing a lot of moments and great moments with that, with the teams here? Well, when, when I first came to the Oilers, we had, um, in the Coliseum, we had uh, the dressing room wasn't huge, 
Um, we had we really didn't have a gym. We had a universal set with uh, two bikes, and that, it was in our change room. But uh, you couldn't see the bikes or the universal set because guys were hanging their clothes on them. I didn't see anybody <laughs> actually use them. So you know the game has changed in that way where the training is is unreal. And if you guys ever have a chance to see the Oilers workout facility, it's world class. It, it's unreal and. Uh, and you see how the game has changed in that way in fitness and, and how everybody focuses on being as best as they can be. But I think with the Oilers, um, just the people, I thought the organization, it was a family first. There was no question about it. And uh, we always stuck together. It didn't matter uh, if we were out at uh, Tin Palace or, or, uh, or Denny Andrews or Cowboys or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> We always, it seemed like there was always 20 guys there all the time. And uh, and that was the same way in the dress room. Um, no one, if, if someone wasn't uh, pulling their weight, you know, they would quietly um, address it. So, you know, they did a great job of policing the dress room. And uh, um, it was probably one of the best dress rooms that I've ever been in as a player uh, throughout my years. And uh, the times changed. There's no question about that. The dress rooms are so big. The others' dress rooms so big. They probably have to have beacons on the players so they don't lose them. <laughs> hey, hey, Bucky. Um, who was the ping pong champ back in the day? Uh, you know, I, I actually I think it was Yuri Curry, if I'm not mistaken. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, him and Tick always used to battle it out, but uh, there wasn't too many Westerners in in, in that uh, high league of the of the Finns and the Swedes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so I, I want to just talk about the, the two Stanley Cups, uh, 1987 and 1990, but I, I, I don't need you to go through it. I mean, it's the guys that we have on here that won it. We it's awesome. And it's a dream come true. What I want to know is, is I want to know what kind of the similarities between those teams were and the differences between those two teams, because you, you lost Wayne in, in 88 and, you know, Mass Mass was kind of there as your leader. So, what are the what what were some of the similarities and the differences? Well, I think the difference was that uh, um, in in uh, eighty six eighty seven we were supposed to win. There was no question about it. Uh, that you know there was the highest that the Oilers ever been with the, the talent they had. I, I think their fourth line players were scoring twenty goals, twenty five goals, if I'm not mistaken, back then, or maybe even higher. Um, but just the quality of product that, that we had. And you know what, they just opened the door and guys, it was going, everybody knew exactly what to do. And I think, um, you know, and then obviously the goaltending was unreal with Pierzee um, and Moog and, and then obviously Billy Ranford later on. But uh, with that, and then into 90, when the, the change came with the trades and everything else, the guys, you know, we... I think we were just above 500, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember our record, but it, it wasn't a great record. Um, but when it came playoffs, we ended up finding a way that each line uh, found a way in each series to make a difference. And it went a long way. And listen, Billy Ranford was uh, playing the, at probably the highest peak of his career at that time. And he, you know, he won it for us. And that's why he won the Conn Smythe. But uh, the, the, quality of play and the dedication and the leadership that we had, uh, we still had good leaders in, in that dress room. And a lot of the guys that uh, left uh, like Adam Graves and 
Martin Jalina, uh, the younger guys, the kid line, you know, they, they end up becoming leaders and, and captains of their own throughout. So um, the leadership goes down. Like it always starts at the top. There's no question with slats and the coaches, but then with mess and, you know, when Wayne was there and Kevin, the leadership, you really, they really bring you in and, and make you part of it. And you want to go to war for the guys. And, and that's what happened in 90 is that everybody battled for one another. Hey, just touch on that leadership a little bit. I, I know you brought it up earlier. You know, you were named captain yourself and, and kind of let us know what did you, what did you learn from those guys, you know, to put into your game or, or to make you a better leader yourself, you know? Well, Robert, I think the biggest thing in it, uh, you know, everybody talks about how, you know, Mess was in the dress room and he was like, you know, giving guys uh, shit, but that, that's actually not true. He, he led by example and uh, he played and he practiced like he, he wanted like every day and he wanted everybody to do the same. And I, I learned a lot from him. He was an idol of mine. There's no question when I was, when I was playing, um, loved every, every part of him um, on and off the ice. And uh, um, I think that when you, I used to kind of bring a little bit of everything from all the captains I've been with. Um, you know, they're not all going to score 50 goals a year and get 100 points. Uh, I learned a lot from Craig McTavish. Um, we were similar players, um, defensive players, and just the way he treated players and uh, people in the organization and how much he was respected and, and the sacrifice that he did every night uh, for the team. And uh, so I, I think as for me, I kind of took a little bit from each guy and that's what I do now in my coaching job is that I take a little bit from all the coaches that I've coached with and, you know, hopefully I'm doing the right way, but uh, I enjoy coaching and I've learned a lot from ex coaches that have coached with me. Hey, Similar to the player. I, I want to just wrap kind of my questions up with you with, with, you know, I, and I don't want to get sad about it, but Joey Moss, um, we've kind of brought it up to the last few guests that, that got to meet him. And, and, you know, he touched a lot of lives here. And I, I went as far as saying, you know, to the guys here and everybody else that, you know, I think Joey is, is probably not number one, but a close one B to maybe the greatest Edmontonian, you know, of my generation anyways. And, and just speak on him a little bit and, and, what he was like around the room, maybe share a kind of funny story. You know, like I said, not that I, I, I like to, well, I want to remember him as being, you know, happy times, right? So yeah. I, I think with Joey, um, I have talked a lot about Joe and, and um, one of the sports channels are going to do a documentary on him. And uh, I always thought that Joey, he, he was part of the training staff, but he was more than that to everybody. He, he was more as a teammate brother to all of us, then people know. And uh, he worked hard. There's no question about that. He did his job and he did Sparky's job at the same time. So, <laughs> but uh, um, as a person, he took the losses worse than anybody. Like he'd be, if you're sitting in your stall after he'd come and put his arm around you and, and it bothered him that the Oilers lost because that was his life. And that, you know what, as in the Eskimos also, because we shouldn't forget about the time yeah. that he put yeah. in the but with the Oilers, he, he like listen. There, there, it goes Wayne Gretzky, probably the most famous Oiler, but it, it could go Joey Moss, number two. 
Trev's been saying yeah. that. Yeah, Ruffer's been yeah. saying that. It, it could yeah. be easily. And he's an icon in Canada. And uh, uh, I'll share a quick story about Joey. Um, so when I first came to the Oilers, I was uh, living in the Forum Inn. But I was 19, 20 years old. But I was like, I, I don't have anything else to do. So I'd be hanging around the rink all day. And, and then I'd always give Joey a ride home. But as you guys know, um, the foreman used to have a place called the penalty box. You guys I might have been there once or twice. <laughs> so I, I would take Joey there for a couple beers after. Each <laughs> and uh, after a couple weeks, you know, it was not just two beers. And uh, Sparky comes up to me, goes, are you, are you taking Joey to the penalty box next door? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you can't do that. <laughs> so uh, I lost my uh, drinking partner. <laughs> oh, no. He was more popular than I was there. <laughs> oh, boy. That's awesome. But we're all going to miss a good friend. And uh, the city and, and the country are missing a great human being. Yeah, absolutely. Kelly, we'll, we'll, Bucky, we'll go into, you know, kind of what you're doing now, coaching. Um, how, how, what were some of your influence? Obviously, you've talked about the leadership in the Oilers teams, but when did you really get that, you know what, I want to coach after? Well, I always wanted to stay in the game, and, and I, I always wanted to be a coach. And like I said before, it's not as easy as you think. You're, you're coming in and out after a player and thinking that it's going to coach, you got to put your time in. And uh, that's what a lot of people don't realize in an NHL player. You got to put the time in to get better and you have to work at it. And uh, uh, I came in with the Oilers and um, I started working with Billy Moores and Craig McTavish and Charlie Huddy. And, and Billy Moores was kind of my mentor as a coach. And I learned so much from him. I sat with him on a plane. I, I spent numerous nights with them um, doing video and being prepared but uh, I, I think that I always wanted to coach um, I, I came back to Julie I coached in the minors uh, for a while I was a head coach in Springfield and I was just too much in a hurry to get to the NHL and I should have stayed in the American Hockey League a lot longer than I did I only spent one year there uh, I should have stayed there and polished my skills a lot better um, but like everybody else, it doesn't matter what league you're in. You always want to get to the NHL. And, and that's probably a huge mistake I made uh, right away. But uh, now, then I ended up leaving the others and I went to work with Dougie Waite. And Dougie is a really good friend of mine. And, and unfortunately, we didn't have a lot of success. And uh, we all got let go. And we had a great coaching staff. We had Luke Richardson, myself, and Dougie, and Freddie <laughs> Brothaway, you know, a lot of ex-Oilers. So we all knew each other. And Unfortunately, we didn't have any success that first year and we all let, got let go. But but where I am right now, I, I couldn't be any happier except for the bus rides. But uh, <laughs> uh, I would love working with the kids and um, I love to see our kids graduate and develop and, and get better. And, and we know that they're not they're all going to get there. Um, our motto is that we want to make them a better hockey players, but better people um, throughout the organization. And because we're getting these kids at 16 years old and uh, there's so much development in these kids and you really got to be careful with today's player. Um, they're, they're a little fragile. They're, uh, they're very sensitive to, um, you know, being told what to do. And uh, I think uh, we've done a great job of working with these kids in, with Tri-Cities that uh, we, we know our players really well. Um, 
we've, you know, I, I think we got a really bright future. There's no question about it. We got a good, some good young players coming. We have a guy from Edmonton here, Mark Lejoie, that played as 16 year old for us. Um, and he was our best player, best defenseman last year at 16 at the end. So it's good to see these kids develop. And it's amazing in one year how much they develop in one year from a 16 to 17 and up to 20. And, uh, and listen, if you wanted an older team and, and go for a run for it every year, um, you know, you're not going to really develop a lot of players because you're trading for all those players. But we, we want to develop our players and, and get successful that way. Yeah, I mean, and like talk about the the player today. Let's. I'd like to dive in more of that. It, it, do you, and I've I've been taught by my mentors. But do you think that a lot of the the player today it's more it's a psychological? Like you got to be more of a psych, almost not a psychiatrist, but there there's no more yelling at the players. Yeah, like I I figured that out right away um, in training my very first year in the dub. Um, I can practice something they're not going to be smooth practices all the time. And, and then you scream and yelling and they just freeze right up. They, they you can't do it. You just yeah. can't, you got to find a way to go by them and say, Hey, Joe, what's going on today? Are you having a bad day? Cause there's so much going on with these kids at, at this age at, at 16 to 20 years old, you know, girlfriend breaks up with them or, or, <laughs> you know, having, they're having problems with their billets or, or, you know, they're homesick because they're young kids and, but you, you really got to get to know the players. You got to spend a lot of uh, time with them and get to know them. And you got to acknowledge them every day. Like all the kids, I try to say hi to them every day, see how they're doing, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and then on the hockey side, they, they want a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with you. So it's a lot of work because you got to do video with the kids on their shifts and everything else. And, and um, you know, in the, in the, dub you only have an assistant coach and yourself and you don't have a video guy so you do all the work so it's time time consuming for all these kids but once they get it they're so thankful for the time you put into the try and correct them in the right path but awesome. uh, but the players now um they're not like they were in the 80s listen they're, they're, <laughs> yeah they're not. no you know what, just as a person, uh, I'm very personal with our kids. I like to know what's going on. I, I phone them. Um, I, I'll phone probably for a week and just touch right base on. with them and have a 10, 15 minute conversation with the kids and, and see where they are. And then I'll just circulate. I, I, I just go by their age. I'll phone the 16 year olds <laughs> one week and then I'll yeah. phone 17 year olds. You have to, that's how you have to organize it. That's how I organize it. But yeah. they are so thankful that you talk to them because no, no one's really reaching out to them. Uh, our general manager does, but at the same note, you know, they're, they're lost like everybody else's in this world right now. And uh, long as are, they, are they, are they asking you questions or yeah, I mean, they, they these, just want to, yeah. they just want to know clay when we're getting back. That's all they want to yeah. know. And like we always say, we have no idea what's going to happen. As you guys know, in Alberta, it's, it's, it's painfully to watch the news every morning. It's oh, painful. Yeah. And, um, and Washington is no better. So hopefully we do get back quicker than we think. But with the kids, they're good. They're at home. But the problem is, as uh, like I said before, that the Alberta and the BC Junior League and and I think the Saskatchewan Junior League is closed now, is it not? Yeah, I think the SJ just closed. Did. Yeah. Yeah. So our kids were playing there, but now they got nowhere to play or even practice. So. I seen a lot of these kids when 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 our kids were still going they were playing freaking men's league, man. Like you should have seen some of these Div One men's teams. Like 
full of dub kids. They were playing a legit group of older guys. They were probably in their 60s. And you should have seen their faces when these guys stepped on the ice. I was howling. There must have been five Oil Kings guys. There's some AJ guys, and they just pounded them. <laughs> it was something else. Yeah. But I think that's all they're doing. And, I mean, right now, I think there's just one-on-one training that can happen, right? I think it's literally here, you know, you can go to – you know, a rink with one guy and it's just one-on-one and that's it. And that's all. So are some of your kids doing that? It is, but Robert, it's very expensive. So yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. You know, right now because of COVID there's um, financial problems with throughout some of the parents and, you know, maybe, you know, the, from a well-off family, they're going to get that one-on-one training or, or five guys. Yeah. On the race. But uh, the other guys that can't afford it, um, I, I feel those, those guys and as you know that the outdoor rinks um i think one in st albert's running right now but none in the west end here are, are open yet so the yeah. kids can't even go in the odr at all and um like we were at the lake this past weekend and we had a, a shinny game on the lake but uh you wouldn't believe how many rinks there is out there right now and people outside playing yeah they, maybe they can take a bingo i think bingo halls are still open so <laughs> get them hooked on that <laughs> are are so with you and your staff, are you guys going, are you doing and like, obviously you're doing planning, but, but yeah, any structural planning team meetings, that kind of thing? No, you know what? Uh, we have, uh, I'm kind of, I don't have an assistant coach right now. So, um, uh, he, he's, he was, I'm here, Buck. Everyone's <laughs> putting their hands up. <laughs> he was, they, they didn't renew his contract and, uh, okay. unfortunately, cause he's a really good guy. He's in, Alberta boy and uh, loved him to death, but uh, they felt that uh, he was there for six years and they, they wanted to make a change. But uh, his name was Brian Paller and, and uh, I think he's from Edson, if I'm not mistaken. So. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, you know what I did? Um, all, all the kids know the system that we're going to play. We, we changed a little bit uh, in our system play, but uh, they're well aware of it. And then uh, because I was doing some stuff for Hockey Canada, I prepared all that work off our video. So from the penalty kill systems and how we're going to forecheck to the power play breakouts in zone, five on threes, four on threes. I had that all done because of Hockey Canada in the summer. So it was all our team. So okay. when it comes and defensive play and everything else, so it's, it's all done. So um, when the kids get there, they're going to get there hopefully two weeks before we play our first game. So we'll have plenty of time to do video and uh, like, like, I said a lot of the kids been with me for a couple of years already, so they know the way um, that we're going to play. We're just going to change a few things. But no, we have not shown um, video uh, through Zoom. Awesome. Uh, there's one question I would like to follow up on. Uh, you talked about your time in, with the New York Islanders and obviously a connection uh, with Johnny Boychuk and you coached him. What kind of player was he to deal with on a day-to-day basis? Because to be honest, Bucky, it kind of reminds me of you, just the you guys grinded it out, and you guys are just great team leaders, too. Johnny Boychuk is a great man. He really is. And, uh, you know, I didn't know Johnny before I went to Long Island. And I know he, he doesn't live far from me, but we're never in the same circles. But uh, he's, he's the ultimate teammate. And he, he didn't wear a letter in Long Island when I was there. And I, I didn't understand why he, he arguably could have been the captain. Should have been. Probably should have been the captain. Yeah. And uh, because he, the way he sacrificed himself and, and unfortunately, you know, he just has to retire because of his eye injury. But uh, um, 
he never had a bad day. Um, you know, it was all about team first and uh, just a quality person. And I, I don't think you can find a guy to say a bad thing about Johnny Boychuk throughout the NHL. He's got a lot of friends. Uh, he, he was on that team in Boston when they won. Um, and even on Long Island, I, I can't remember how many years he's been in Long Island. He's probably been there five years, if I'm not mistaken, maybe more. Yeah. Yeah. I think, think, I think around that time. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just, and you know, it's good for Edmonton. Like uh, Edmonton's produced a lot of great hockey players come through, but maybe more character and, and uh, player uh, team players than, and than most cities because Edmonton, it, it's a blue collar city. We know that. And uh, the yeah. people that come out here that make it, um, you know, they're, they're quality people. Yeah. You might have, hey. uh, might have to get his brother on the coaching staff. He's a former, uh, Tri-City American too, his brother, David. So oh, is that right? yeah, yeah, his brother, David played there two years. So, uh, yeah. or parts of two years there. So yeah, I mean, you might have to get him on, on board. Hey, I want to put you on the spot here, Bucky. This is my last question for you. Okay. I want to know as a player who was the biggest drill killer when you played and as a coach i want to know who the biggest drill killer was <laughs> well um let me see um well when we first when they first came to edmonton it was uh all, all the leaders like wayne and mark they'd always be the first guys to go and if you weren't listening and paying attention because we only did probably seven drills through the whole time. So, so we didn't really have any drill killers back then because I could name you the drills. It was a Nashville. It was a Pittsburgh. We had, we didn't go to a board then there was no boards on the like rink boards out. So we wouldn't go through the drills. So whatever they called out, we were doing and we knew the drills. We wouldn't even stop for water like our practices. And then as the years went on, uh, where, where did I go? I went to Atlanta and, um, a guy named Matt Johnson. Uh, he was a tough guy that came out of LA. He, he, he probably was probably the worst I've seen. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, uh, and then um, coaches, I, I can't think, uh, let me think now of the coaches that I went through. He's putting you on the spot on this one. <laughs> well, the problem is with coaching, like even now, like, you know, you're like, if you're, each coach gets a couple drills, you only really do your own drill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Focus on it. So, Robert, if you do a drill, I'm like, okay, where the fuck do I put those pucks now? I, I, <laughs> yeah. Thinking, I, I know you explained that drill to me, yeah. but now, where the fuck do I put those pucks? Oh. So, how about, I think, I think in okay, my how about, year, how about, tell me, okay, so when you were coaching, so tell me a player that you wanted just to wring their neck every single time they got up to the line <laughs> that you knew that this was going to blow up. Oh, you know what? I, 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 no, I, I can't bring his name up because it's, it'll get back to him. <laughs> so, but I, I think in my early years here coaching, uh, there was a few young guys that uh, were probably going a little hard at night and uh, weren't focused <laughs> when, uh, when they were supposed to be at the rink. Yeah. So I'm just going to leave it at that because I go. love it. I love it. Because yeah, we used to practice at ten o'clock, and uh, you know they'd be hung over, and you know they're they're just trying to get through the practice like we all were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so. tremendous. Kelly, I have uh, one last one. When and obviously it's a no-brainer. You go Bucky as a nickname. 
but who who gave you that or did you have it growing up and that kind of thing was it self i think just pretty much when i was growing up yeah like, okay. like everybody our our hometown is is probably all um half buckburger so and then uh but yeah, I grew up with it. It, it just took uh, throughout my career and, and, and even today, like the kids in Tri City, the players, you know, I don't even think they know my first name. They just, it's always Bucky. So, uh, and, uh, but, you know, you, you, play, you play with these kids and you get to know them. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I forget what their first name is because I might just say it's rough or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But, I don't know it's Clay, you know, yeah. something yeah. else. It could, it could be Vandy, and everybody's calling me Vandy. At the start. There's That's those like, certain nicknames that just stick. I, I've, you know, coaching, I, there are kids where I just knew them by their nickname. I didn't, never well, did. Now they, now that somebody mentions their name, I'm like, oh. The Oilers training staff, they're, they're all from Saskatchewan, Langer and Harry. Uh, and I think they're from Yorkton area. Or I think Langer's, Langer's from Regina and Harry's from Yorkton. So when I was coaching, I was, uh, me and them would always go for beers, um, wherever it was, whatever city we'd go in the night before, we'd go for some beers or bite to eat or something and spend a lot of time together. And after, I think it's almost the third year that I was there, um, they go, we're having some beers. And I still remember we're in Chicago and we're at this little dive bar and they go, what's our first name, Bucky? I'm like, what are you talking about? They go, what's our first name? I've been with them for almost two years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> unbelievable yeah oh yeah that's uh that's unreal that's a uh, pretty sweet we can't thank you enough for joining us i don't know if there's anything else you guys want to add in yeah i mean thank you again bucky for doing this we'd yeah. love for you to to come on when the season get going and we can we can have a chat with you about about how the ams are doing and well hopefully we're winning at that time but yeah. the Western League it hasn't changed much. I think the play has got better. There's no question about that. It, it's the travel on the bus, and it, it, it's really hard. Like we, we have a trainer. He's actually from Edmonton, and he, he's 64 years old. And he, he's been riding the buses ever since the, he, he retired. Wow. So he's been wow. a trainer for, like, I don't know, 40-some years, 45 years. Yeah and the road trips and it's it's crazy that he still loves his job and, and and does it but he's on that bus just like unreal every day biggest smile every day probably yeah. Right? Yeah, he loves it he, yeah. he can be a little salty but the, the boys love him yeah That's awesome. all right well we uh, wish you continued success uh all the all the best in health health, uh, health and happiness uh during this uh this pandemic and the holidays here and obviously happy belated birthday. So that, uh, well, boys, thanks for having me and, uh, all the best in the new year coming up here and Merry Christmas. And hopefully we get to spend it with our families because, uh, I don't know about you, but talking to my wife every day, I, I'm actually not listening anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I know. We won't tell her. Yeah. We need it. <laughs> we need thanks it. Bucky. Appreciate yeah. this. Thanks. All right, boys. Okay. Have a great night. Thanks, you too. Bye. When you hire a contractor, you want things to go smooth. Smooth as a driveway poured by Pete's Concrete. You want a solid guarantee. Solid as a basement floor by Pete's Concrete. You want Pete. 
Pete's Concrete. For sidewalks, patios, your leaky basement, Pete lays his reputation down with every job, and he offers you finishes and colors you won't find anywhere else. You want someone who proudly puts their name on the work they do. Pete puts his name in concrete. Pete's Concrete. Thank you. 